Hello and welcome to the Kiss the Wild podcast with your host, Kristen Wright. This is the space to unpack cultural scripts, narratives, and conditioning that are keeping you from living the juiciest version of yourself. You can expect conversations and thought-provoking ideas to help you reclaim your whole self in and out of the bedroom. Let's get started. Hey friends, happy new year. Welcome to 2023. This is the first episode of the new year where I am going to share with you everything that I learned in 2022. Well, maybe not everything because I'm sure there are things that I will have forgotten already or things that I will remember after I've recorded this podcast later on this evening or tomorrow, but they are things that I am learning still. You know, it's like the gems that I mined from 2022 that are probably going to be forever uh, pieces of learning for me and embodiment and incorporating, integrating into my life. But I am very excited to share them with you today because I think that they may be helpful for you. 2022 has been an interesting year for me. It's been a tough year, you know, when I was taking some time to reflect between Christmas and the New Year's on the year that we just had. A lot of, you know, tough feelings came up and a little bit of, I don't know, just a, a sense of like disheartening. That's Is that a word? Disheartened? I was disheartened. I was a little bit disheartened um, feeling like I guess maybe a failure in some ways um, because it felt feels like there has been a lack of personal accomplishments. There's been a lot of lows and in many ways that has like been the lesson of 2022 has been to really be with myself, uh, which isn't easy. I think especially as someone who is struggling to um, untangle from doing and the season of life where it feels like we're always, you know, we've got something ahead of us that we're following, a dream we're chasing, a goal we're working towards, or a mountain we're cresting. Uh, When you are in motherhood, if you ever find yourself in that place, especially in the early sort of postpartum days, there isn't necessarily like goals to be smashing. It's really about survival. (laughs) And not everyone's experience is the same. I get that. You know, my year has really centered around sleep deprivation. It's really centered around sleep and a lack of sleep and everything that has been affected in my life because of that. Um, And as a result of that, it's, I haven't been able, my capacity has been a lot lower, right? And so being in that space of being with what is has been the great work of 2022 and within that has come a lot of you know pain as I've had to face you know a lot of the disowned pieces inside of me um, the shadowy parts of me 
I've really had to come face to face with my anger and rage as a result of, you know, the lack of sleep and just feeling at the whim and out of control in terms of, yeah, like a lack of control over my own life, being at the whim of a small human. So yeah, 2022, sleep deprivation. It's been an interesting thing for me becoming a mother because there have, for me, has felt like there has been so many things that I don't have a lot of control over and that has had significant impact in my life. So this year there's been a lot of sleep disturbances, you know, then you're um, going through the flow of infant development and then we layer in cold and flus in that, you know, the bit of a pandemic, uh, lack of support. We don't live anywhere near family, so our support is very limited. Um, It's just been, yeah, it's created a cocktail of a lot of interesting feelings. <laughs> Recently, I was in um, just in a, my like a mom friend chat of mine, and we were sharing about our most recent sleep woes. And a friend in the chat said, "Like, I who knew that this much thought would revolve around sleep with kids? Like, it's expected to have sleep disturbances, but I had no idea that it would be this consuming." Um, but yeah, and, and another friend said, like, I expected sleep stuff with babies, but I had no clue how long it would go on for. And I can say that I expected sleep stuff as well, but I had no clue how much it would deeply affect my ability to cope with life. Like it has really affected so many faucets of life and my being and how the lack of control would really um, consume me. You know, there have been a lot of mo- low moments for me. And you will come to hear as we get into this conversation today a little bit more about those low moments. Um, But also in those moments were like some of these really beautiful lessons. So it's like I've felt like I've been in the gutter of life so many times this year, just like looking up at the stars being like, what does it mean? What is it for? You know, what is this life for when we are in the chop wood, carry water season of our life, when it's not glamorous, when we're not cresting the mountain, when we're not, you know, able to do at the level that we have been told is sort of necessary in order to gain worthiness, deservingness in this world. How can we cope with that? How can we be in the experience of our life with a little bit of grace? How can we survive and maybe even thrive a little bit? How can we sprinkle in pleasure and joy? You know, what what is it all for? Those have been the places that I have really landed again and again and again. And how can I really care for myself in those moments? I've really had to be an advocate for my mental health this year. And even just in recent days, even just in this moment, um, I've really felt myself slipping. We had a real setback in December. You know, the kids were sick again. Um, You're probably getting tired of me saying that (laughs) because I feel like every time I start a podcast, I'm like, hey, it's me again. I'm so glad to be here. Kids were sick again, but it really has been a long month. And then you can maybe hear in my voice, I'm getting over a sickness. It's been over three weeks that I've been dealing with a sinus infection. And I was just living for some respite. 
Uh, we were going to go up north to our hometown for the holidays and stay with my in-laws. And I was living for that. I was living for 10 days with grandparents and aunties and uncles, you know, extra eyes and hands to watch our children, not having to worry about supper every night, just to get that little bit of a break. And then boom, flight was canceled. It got pushed to Christmas Eve. Then we were in the airport waiting for our flight, got canceled again. We had to make like a very snap, like not snap decision, but we had to get into damage control mode because we hadn't even got a Christmas tree. We were saving it to decorate with family up north. Um, You know, we had to, so we had to divide and conquer. My husband took the kids, went and found a Christmas tree. Here's a Christmas hack. If you wait till Christmas Eve, like, you know, 15 minutes before the store is closing, you probably get a Christmas tree for free. So we did. (laughs) That was exciting. Um, I had to go get groceries, uh, you know, Christmas stocking and presents because I had ordered stuff online and mailed it up north already. So there was just, you know, like this real get into like damage control mode. Didn't really have to stuff all of my feelings in a sock put on a brave face for my kids and, you know, make Christmas feel special for them because that feels important to me. And once all of that was over, it just really fell into a low. It was also perfectly timed with my menstrual cycle. I was like day 25, not ideal for like deep, dark feels. Uh, Especially lately, I feel like my hormones are really dropping in a way that really takes me into the underworld right before I'm about to menstruate. So it just really went down the hole, you know, down into a little bit of a downward spiral and had to advocate for my mental health. And it's not an easy place to be in. I really felt that this time around because I felt stories about, you know, being, feeling so low and so blue. Stories around, you know, maybe being dramatic or weak. And even as I say that, you know, I know that it's not true, but there is still so much shame and stigma connected, especially to, I felt this time, you know, it's the holiday season. I didn't even really want to reach out and and ask for support from friends because I didn't want to disrupt other people's joy. So it gave me a whole other understanding and real lived experience of how hard the holidays can be. I have so much respect for folks who find the holidays to be a very hard time. And I really understand and feel why. And I just wanted to share that um, to let you know, A, if you struggle around the holidays, if you struggle with feeling depressed or blue, especially this time of year, you are not alone. I feel you. Um, Please, like, feel free to email me anytime if you need a friend just to even hold space and witness. I would be happy to receive that. My email is kristen at sexloverevolution.com. And B, I wanted to share because this leads into one of the lessons that I've been really working with in 2022, which is self-compassion. And I really love, I maybe have already even mentioned this on the podcast, but I really love the work of Kristen Neff, 
She spells her name the same way I do, K-R-I-S-T-I-N, Neff, N-E-F-F. She has a TED Talk. You can find her website. She has a couple books she has written, um, podcasts she's been on, and self-compassion. Maybe not, maybe doesn't sound like earth-shattering, but it truly is the bomb, like the healing bomb of a critical mind. And that is something, you know, when I'm in those downward spirals, I am ruminating on thoughts and stories. And so the self-compassion piece, as well as the sensational awareness, which I'm a huge, a huge advocate for in my work in it's many ways and forms, you know, I'm talk about sensational awareness as a way to access pleasure in the body and to come into the present moment. But sensational awareness is also a way to build emotional resiliency inside of ourselves. So when I am in that space of downward spiraling or being in like a thought tornado or ruminating, being very self-critical, self-judgmental, um, because it's one thing to feel blue and depressed, but it's another to like beat myself up about it, right? And I'm going to talk more about that lesson a little bit later and, and relate it to the Buddhist philosophy of the two arrows. I don't know if you've ever heard that story before, but it's fantastic. Um, so to get out of these ruminating thoughts, to get out of this cycle of, you know, criticism is to come into the sensation of what it is I'm feeling in my body when I'm in that moment, really naming it and allowing myself to have that experience. And then becoming, you know, a very compassionate person to myself. And I see that as like a parent. How would a parent treat their child in a tough moment like that? So it's really about reparenting myself in those moments and giving myself the love, you know, the loving words of affirmation or the experience of kindness and compassion, whether that's giving myself a little hug or asking myself, what do I need right now? But instead of letting myself, you know, run wild in my mind, I can stop those thoughts with the sensational awareness. And this is a work in progress. I'm still learning and working through this, but it's a tool. It's a lesson that can be really, really supportive. And so I wanted to offer that to you today as lesson number one. Okay. Within that is lesson two, we could say. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't number these. Like there's, there's not like a numbering that's from any sort of significance or importance. I'm just trying to, um, yeah, make this feel a little more clear. But I really embodied and am still learning the lesson of the this and, you know, that there is nuance that exists in everything. I've always, you know, connected to the this and that analogy, but more than ever this year, I've really come to embrace it and promote it. So, for example, when I am feeling low, when I'm not feeling my strongest, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, 
an old version of myself would have felt like a fraud, you know, if I were to show up in this space right now and, and think that I could actually even be somebody who could share lessons if I wasn't feeling like on top of the world or, you know, what to me a leader should be, which is probably an old paradigm of leadership that's not even anchored in reality. You know, this envisioning of like a leader being somebody who has all their shit together all the time. I think that's actually quite toxic because it takes away the humanity um, that exists in every single person. Nobody can be on 100% of the time. And so I think there's a part of me that still saw our vulnerability as somewhat of a weakness um, or an instability as like a character flaw. And so that's something that I'm still working through, you know, present day, that because I have moments, this was actually something my counselor shared with me just before the holidays. I was sharing with her that, you know, I was beating myself up, being very critical that I didn't feel any longer like I was a resilient person. You know, I was like, man, when I was younger, I was so resilient. There wasn't anything I couldn't, you know, tackle. And now as a mother, I just feel like all my resilience is gone. And so she helped me, you know, she was like, okay, well, you had a really hard day yesterday with the kids at home. They were sick. How did you survive? Oh, I did this or that. Okay. So you got through it. What else was going on? You know, oh, you you didn't sleep. Oh, you're not feeling well. Okay, so instead of like this absolute thinking of, I'm not a resilient person, let's just come back to this feeling and idea that you're having a moment of non-resilience. Doesn't mean that you're not a resilient human being. Let's just have a little bit of compassion and recognize that this is a moment, you know, a moment of struggle, a moment of low resilience. Now, I kind of got away from myself. I can't even remember why I said a moment. Just one second. (laughs) I had to go back and listen. But I think what I was saying is that because I have moments of not feeling my best self, it doesn't mean that I am not an amazing support person still for other people. And in fact, it's when I can allow myself to be like the this end, when I can allow myself to be not feeling my best and show up for other people, I can stay, you know, anchored and connected to my humanity. It's actually quite healing to have that experience of allowing all of who I am to the table rather than cutting off parts of myself or pretending parts of myself don't exist or trying to show up as some other version of myself when I can allow the full spectrum of my being that is like mental physical emotional spiritual health you know that is what supports me to feel like a whole human being not rocket science but yet I feel like unconsciously it's easy to you know, definitely cut off parts of ourself in favor of fitting in and yeah, fitting in within the status quo, which, you know, we've been taught is to be happy, to be 
likable, to be easygoing, to be, you know, stable, to not be necessarily vulnerable. So an old version of myself would have felt like a fraud if I were to show up as any other version of myself than perfect. But, you know, the gift of nuance and the this and is to know or to at least explore that I can be struggling not having the best time at life and still show up as a valuable member of society with something important to share. I can be a mom who has sick children and be desiring a break and space and just love my kids so damn much it hurts. There is nuance in everything, and I think we get stuck in sometimes black and white thinking, and that can lead to a lot of different stories we might tell ourselves in the moment about who we are, and really, who we are is infinite. <laughs> we can be any number of things all at once. It's really just up to your imagination, so... Don't limit yourself with shoulds. Don't limit yourself with linear thinking. Don't limit yourself with black and white thinking. Have some compassion, you know? Treat and talk to yourself like the gorgeous divine soul that you are, that infinite spark of being. I like to see this as, you know, my innocent self, which is often... I see a vision of myself at three years old. And so how would I treat that little soul spark? You know, that part of me who is just innocent and alive with possibility before the world was like, you should be this and do this and dress this way. And you should be nice to everyone no matter what. And for God's sake, make sure your house is clean or you will not be worthy of love and respect you know, how would I speak to that part of myself when I'm having a hard time? Is it with more shame and more criticism and more shoulds? No, it certainly is not. It's, you know, with love and compassion and kindness and respect and, you know, support and care. So it's very, very helpful um, to reparent myself in these ways and to offer myself compassion from this place and to know that it's okay to struggle, that life is not always perfect and that part of being a human is experiencing all that life has to offer and that struggle is part of the human experience. And when I can get comfortable with that, it definitely lessens some of the charge of being in those places. So a lot of my experience this year also centered around my anger and rage. So a lot of anger and rage developed from being stuck in a chair with a baby who wouldn't nap you know, two or three times a day. And then of course, sleeping often in a chair at night and just being like I shared earlier at the whim of somebody else's schedule and really feeling that loss of control and and needing space 
and not being able to have it. And I was confronted with this, you know, maybe we'll call it postpartum rage. But yes, these eruptions of just have having enough, but feeling very trapped and feeling very angry at the circumstances I was in and just wanting my child to go the fuck to sleep, um, feeling helpless and just extremely, extremely frustrated. And I got to this point where, you know, I think it was in March, I was feeling like the low of the season, feeling the low of sleep deprivation and the low of where I was emotionally, you know, being confronted with this rage and anger again and again and feeling um, so unworthy and so undeserving and so critical and you know, not in alignment with how I wanted to be, you know, trying to accept that part of myself, but also being like, this is, this is not who I want to be though. I don't want to be an angry, rageful person. Um, and so I started reading about microdosing. I feel like everybody explored microdosing in 2022. Maybe I'm wrong, but I Googled and read blog posts by women in postpartum who are struggling with postpartum depression and suicidal ideation who turned to microdosing and basically it saved their lives. So I decided that I wanted to explore microdosing and my intention with the medicine was basically to support myself in that season of life. But then there was this other like sneaky intention of being like, and I'm going to resolve my issues with anger and rage. I don't know the exact words. I'd have to get my journal out because I know I did journal my intentions, but that was sort of the feel like it was like, I am going to yeah, really work through these feelings of anger and rage. And I had like a month's supply and it's kind of laughable now, even when I'm saying it out loud that you know, I felt like I'm going to take probably what's been like, you know, 38 years of repressed anger and frustration and just fix it in a month with some microdosing. <laughs> and I don't know that that was like, you know, obviously that wasn't the conscious thought, but that was definitely like the unconscious feeling like I'm going to get to the heart of this. You know, something will be revealed to me. I am going to resolve this. And basically what I arrived at was that I was still operating within these old paradigms or frameworks of, you know, patriarchy or colonialism or capitalism where it's like there's something wrong. We need to go in, you know, eradicate it, fix it be a better person, be a more shining example of what a human is supposed to be so that I can be a better mother, be more productive, blah, 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 you know? And so the gift was that I learned to sit a little more deeply with those feelings and sensations and to welcome them into my being, which is something I teach all the time. <laughs> but I pulled this card from the She Sirens deck with Lisa Lister. And it was the card, I think itself was Emerge. And it was like, 
emerging from the cocoon as a fiesta of self. You know, emerging as this embodiment of all parts of self. Celebrating fiesta style, (laughs) which to me, I just think of like a hell of a party, you know, like let's really celebrate all the parts and pieces that make the whole without shame, guilt, or blame, right? Man, like it sounds easy when I'm saying it, but the reality is it's quite hard in a world where we have been, you know, given this messages, these messages again and again, you know, what it looks like to show up, to be, you know, how we show up in a way that is deserving of love and all of the rest. And so if you struggle with something like anger or frustration and it's expressing itself through you, but you know, you've been taught your entire life that you're supposed to be a nice people pleaser kind, you know, that we don't express anger. It is so painful to allow that part of yourself to even imagine that you could celebrate it without shame or blame, to give it a voice. Now, that doesn't mean you let, you know, something like anger run unchecked in your life or that if you're struggling and especially struggling with difficult emotions that don't necessarily feel in alignment, that, you know, we just sort of embrace it and don't do any of the healing work to support ourselves. But recognizing that doing the healing work, step one is acknowledging and being with rather than shame, you know, shaming or blaming or making meaning about our experience. And this is the gift of the parable of the second arrow, excuse me, that is a Buddhist teaching that basically when we struggle in life, you know, if we're suffering, the suffering is the first arrow. We're struck with an arrow of suffering. And the second arrow represents the meaning we give the suffering. So try not to get struck with the second arrow. We can't always in life control the first arrow. However, the second arrow is our reaction to the first. The second arrow is optional. And so I really feel like each moment holds a choice. You know, it's, it's ripe with possibility when we're conscious of our reactions and the way we're responding and reacting. You know, being fully human is really brave work. And by fully human, I mean like, you know, emerging as the fiesta of self. You know, showing up continuously, consciously, with eyes wide open, it requires resiliency. And it's not about getting it right. It's just about showing up again and again, despite how unright things might seem. And I feel like the way we can show up again and again is by removing the shame and the blame, removing the criticism and the judgment, allowing ourselves to be in our experience and to choose, make choices, better choices the next time around, you know, this option of how we want to react to our experience. And again, just tying that all in, 
with the self-compassion piece, with the reparenting piece. These are big lessons that I am still, to this day, um, incorporating and integrating into my life. Okay, so just to recap so far, we have the parable of the second arrow that we just talked about. We have emerging as a fucking fiesta of self. We have talked about reparenting, you know, seeing yourself as a divine, innocent soul spark and offering yourself self-compassion from that place. And we've talked about the gift of nuance, of being able to show up as the this and. And really the this and is the fucking fiesta of self, right? It is celebrating all of the nuance and complexity of life, of living this life, of being a human in 2023. And now I have a couple more gems I want to share with you before we're done today. So just stick with me here. The next thing I want to talk about is asking for help. And I talked a little bit about this in our last podcast episode. You know, there was so many times where I was brought to my knees and was in deep need of help and support. And yet, receiving that help and support felt like kind of like a slow death of who I was. Because there was this story that is, I think, many of you would relate to, but a story that I should be able to do it by myself. Notice that I said should. I should be able to do this by myself. You know, there was a story that this is my job. How can I not do this one job? And so I remember, you know, this one specific occurrence where my partner was concerned because I was at the edge of the edges and he probably left for work that day knowing that. And, and then the baby, you know, wouldn't, nap again and I was really exhausted at that point of every day committing myself to a chair because the only way she like was is all is a very alert human being and so even napping her in a carrier didn't really work that well because she was so alert to the sounds around her and so the best way to nap her was in sort of this chair we have in her nursery with the sound machine going I spent a lot of time reading romance novels in 2022 off my phone and watching The Bachelorette. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Anyways, this specific day, I'd had it, you know, I was like at the edge. I had to put her down and walk away and I was bawling my eyes out in the bathroom. I must have sent my partner a text, you know, kind of informing him that things were not going well. And I remember him calling me and being like, I can come, I can help you. Like, I'll call in sick, I'll give you a break. And I was just like, obviously in need of help, but digging my heels in, like, no. Like, you have your work, you have your thing. I should be able to do this. I I have to do this, like, no. And, you know, him having to, like, let me know that it was okay. You know, it was okay to receive support. But for me, it felt like a slow death of my being, like in some way that I was failing, that I only had this one job, that there was so much of my worthiness wrapped into that about, you know, and and connected to these stories about what it is to be a mother, to be a woman. And the thing is like, 
again, those are stories that are tied into an old paradigm of being that is not in alignment with how I see the world. And yet it was living inside of my body. And so asking for help felt so vulnerable and so triggering because I believe it really affected my sense of worth and within that, my sense of safety. So it feels like my nervous system got really activated because I felt threatened to receive help. It was a threat to my being that I wasn't living up to this societal standard or at least my perceived societal standard or the conditioning that I received around what it the standard of mothering the standard of caretaking that that was my job that I should be able to do that all by myself and yet we need community in our lives we need to be able to let people in we need to be able to receive help and support And sometimes it's not just as simple as making that choice, you know? Okay, yes, I will say yes to this gesture of help and support. Uh, It's about holding ourselves so deeply with our own inner sense of love and safety and acceptance, you know, untangling our worth from this story, these stories that we've been fed around what we should be capable of doing. So it's not always just as simple as, you know, asking for help. It's not always just as simple as like this knowing that you shouldn't have to do it all by yourself. I think it really depends on our own lived experiences. So the lesson here is that if you struggle to, you know, receive help, or if you have that sense of that you should be able to do it on your own, then I really invite you to offer yourself that inner sense of love and that inner sense of safety and worth that you can receive support and help. And here's the nuance and still be a worthy human being. You are not failing. You are enough. There is no meaning that has to be attached to receiving help or support in this world. So try not to get hit with that second arrow. (laughs) Okay, I actually do have one last thing to share in that thread. So I do feel like when I, you know, exist in the space of feeling like I should do it you know, that I should be able to do it all by myself, I lose out and I have lost out on being able to collaborate or co-create with my partner, for example. And so what I really had to learn from that experience also is that I limit myself when I believe that my way is the only way. So being able to, you know, receive support also opens you up to experiencing other ways you know outside of what we can sometimes we can limit ourselves with narrow perceptions when we're really stuck in our own experience so um, letting other people in might show you another way you know a way that you didn't even know existed and that is the beauty of community and collaboration so i'll just leave it at that 
and share with you my next lesson, which came to me many times last year. Initially, I think I was journaling and the words just landed in my consciousness so softly and so sweetly. And these words are feed yourself to feed the world. So feed yourself, feed the world. And I think we've all heard this said many different ways. The most sort of known is that you can't pour from an empty cup. So I appreciate that this isn't rocket science, and yet it's more easily said than done. So many times when I was in the gutter of life in 2022, I had to remind myself that in order to be, you know, the best caretaker that I could for my children, or in order to show up for the people in my life, to, in order to be of service in this world, I needed to feed myself first. And that was totally necessary, right? It was totally necessary and is totally necessary for me to put myself at the center of every equation. And everybody benefits when I feed myself first. So lesson, I don't know, number whatever it is, is feed yourself, feed the world. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is this season of chopping wood and carrying water and finding the pleasure and even the glamour in it. And so I think, you know, there were so many slow, monotonous days where I couldn't like do to the extreme that I have been able to in the past. And again, this was sort of like a slow death of my being in being able to hold myself with like worth in love in just the beingness of life. And so I alluded to this earlier when I shared that there were many moments when I was like, what is the purpose of life when there's no mountain to crest? Right? I think we're really such a purpose-driven society. And in many ways, there's nothing wrong with that. But when that becomes like our only default and we're missing out on the presence and the beingness of life, then we are missing a lot of the richness of life, right? If we're always stuck in this doing mode. And so one of the questions that sort of became my North Star, and it's kind of an interesting question because I think it could bring up a lot for people, but it was such a telling question for me. And it was like, if this is, if this was the last day of my life, how would I really want to be living it? And it was very, it really orientated me in the sense that, yes, like some days I didn't have like a ton of purpose. It was just surviving the day. And so asking myself, you know, if if I knew that time was finite, which, you know, we can talk about time as being infinite or time being a construct, blah, blah, blah. I will say that I know that life is precious and the time that we have with one another and the time that we have here is extremely precious. Nothing is guaranteed. And so how can I make this day, this day that isn't about cresting a mountain or crushing a goal, how can I make it meaningful? How can I find the joy and the pleasure in being in this present moment, even if it doesn't feel glamorous, if it's just this chop wood, carry water season of life? And so, yeah, the lesson in that, I guess, is is being with the presence of life in all that it is and knowing that 
we don't have to have a purpose to make life meaningful. We only, only, only have to let the soft animal of our bodies love what it loves. Now, please go back to that podcast episode if you haven't. But the lesson is about knowing that you are worthy just to be, right? You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. That is enough to love life, to be in the presence of life, to to let yourself love what it loves, to find the joy, to find the pleasure in the small moments. Because at the end of the day, it truly is those small moments that, you know, make the sum of our experience. So I learned in 2022 another deepening of how to really be with myself and to be with myself in these places where there wasn't a lot of doing and to be able to make that okay and to know that life doesn't have to be extravagant to be amazing. And so I invite you in this little lesson of 2022 to question also you know, your experience from that lens, you know, knowing that there are no guarantees. And so how do you want to live each day? Are you being present with your life? Are you only focused on the doing? And what's available when you slow down? And are you living in those small moments or only for, you know, the next goal or the next mountain to, to crest? So the next lesson I want to talk about is within this thread of doing and how with my own overwhelm, I kind of did like a little experiment with myself around because obviously one of my bigger teachings is around pleasure and putting, you know, pleasure and presence and being at the forefront of our lives. And yet, you know, in my own life, I felt bogged down. I feel bogged down all the time around the to-dos and the tasks and everything else that come with being a human and having children and having a home and having a business. And so I wondered if I do put my pleasure, if I put my joy in life at the forefront, will the shit still get done? And the answer is yes. So what I have found is that there, is, there will always be time to get shit done. And so we might as well enjoy our life a little along the way. And this became really apparent even just recently. I had this conversation in a one-on-one coaching call and we were talking about this very thing. And then a couple days later, I was feeling overwhelmed with the things that needed to get done to get ready to go on this Christmas trip that we were going to go on up north. And my partner and I had a day alone. Our children were in childcare. And so we had a day to get things done, you know, packing and taking care of the house before we left. But we also didn't get a lot of time to ourselves. And so we made a date to go for lunch. And that turned into let's make a date to meet in the bedroom. And there was a part of me that felt like, oh, I don't know about that. You know, there's so much to do. We have to get the kids in only two hours. Do we have the time? But remembering that 
remembering this teaching, I surrendered. You know, I, I definitely like it was consensual. I really wanted to be intimate with my partner. I just felt that sense that we all do that there's not enough time or that the to do list is more important. So I surrendered and just trusted that things would get done. And we had a really nice time together in the bedroom. And lo and behold, everything got done in probably it was much nicer to do it from that state of mind than sort of the panicked state of mind that I had prior to making the sweet love. And then our flight got canceled anyways. So I was so glad that we had actually taken that time and and did what we truly wanted to do, like something that really brought us closer together, brought us joy and pleasure in our lives because we missed out on then, you know, 10 days where we could have had more time together. We ended up, you know, being with our children and not getting the break that we were hoping for. And so it just really showed me that we really do have to take the opportunities in life that we're given to prioritize our pleasure and our joy. Because what I have come to find is that your to-do list is never going to end. So if you feel like you're going to get all of that shit done and then make time for yourself or make time for pleasure or make time for joy or make time for intimacy, it's probably never going to happen. And so we have to rewire ourselves to appreciate and uphold pleasure being, you know, at the forefront as as something that is as important or more important than, you know, some of the doing. And I'm not totally against doing. Obviously, it's important and we have to do things in our life to get stuff done. I'm just saying that we could also prioritize some of the more, you know, delicious and juicy parts of life too. So that was a really big, important lesson and something I'm still unpacking for myself, obviously, and being okay with in terms of just like putting my mental, physical, feeding myself in order to like feed the world, right? Putting you know, the the things that are important to me at the forefront and trusting that the house cleaning and everything else will get done at the end of the day. Not necessarily the end of that day, but the end of some day. And what I'm finding is, yes, it does. It really does. So I invite you into that um, same lesson too, or at least this is what I told my client, just treat it like a science experiment. You know, explore, give yourself 30 days to play in and see what happens. Speaking of 30 days to play in, I have a ton of lessons from 2022 that came from my 30 days of physical intimacy with my partner. And so you can check out episodes one and two to learn more about that. But there was lots of beautiful little gems that came from that experience in that thread of really prioritizing pleasure first. So I encourage you to check out those two podcasts. And then I'll just share my last sort of takeaway from 2022 that really supported me throughout the year and that was what I call sort of grandma energy so it was about you know getting lost in the comparison and you know 
all of the voices on social media and all of the, you know, the information I could get at my fingertips on Google. So this, you know, came in moments of feeling lost about sleep or lost about other parenting things. Um, And yeah, outsourcing my inner experience to the internet and social media. And so what I orientated myself to quite a few times in 2022 was asking myself, you know, what would great grandma Mabel do? (laughs) What would my great grandma, what would my grandma have done? You know, in an era of raising humans and, you know, being in a household, being in a partnership where Google didn't exist, where comparison on social media didn't exist, what would those folks do? How would they survive a pandemic? How would they survive sleep deprivation? What was their life like? And what is the energy and the medicine that I can call on from my ancestors, from my grandma? And that was very, very telling and orientating and bringing me back to my own truth and bringing me back to a more simplistic way of being, which I think we all need. It gets so confusing being in a world where so much is right at our fingertips. And so some of my medicine last year in feeding myself in order to feed the world was being able to go out and forage in my yard or in the woods and learning to make tinctures and and balms and salves, growing my own vegetables, pickling and fermenting foods and being in nature and returning to, you know, I, I there's that that joke in the pandemic how everyone was making sourdough, but there is such a beauty in working with your hands and being away from your phone. And and that is definitely a lesson for me. So many times I had to put down my phone or take social media off my phone and just return to my own life and coming into a simplistic way of living my life that really was chopping wood and carrying water. But again, finding the beauty in that, in kneading dough or foraging dandelions, planting seeds in the garden with my children, making a meal from scratch. All of those things, those small moments, just the the being in your life, those roles that we often take for granted or feel like are not the glamorous parts of life, but the parts that keep us alive, that can nourish us, just being present with that and knowing and letting actually, letting that be enough, letting that fill my day and be enough was such good medicine. So I invite you also into that grandmother energy of feeling into what would our ancestors do and how can that support us when it all feels a little bit too much or a little bit overwhelming because let's be honest there is a lot coming at us from all angles in 2022 and 2023 and so returning to the simplest form of survival and finding the beauty and the pleasure in that and asking ourselves like getting out of the distraction getting out of the comparison and being in our lives is yeah just a beautiful lesson when times are tough so offering that to you 
Um, actually, I also just say this last thing. I have a journal from my grandmother from, you know, like the early 1900s and community was such a part of survival in, in even her era. So I don't know how we got so far away from it, but that is so beautiful to read in her words, how much community was a part of her experience. So just tying that in as well in the grandma energy that our ancestors, they were in a village, they were in community. And so um, letting that also just really um, solidify in terms of what I was sharing before about asking for help and that being safe and okay. Okay, my friends, I really talked your ear off. I hope you enjoyed these lessons of 2022. I hope they have been supportive in helping you to know at the very least in the struggle, you are not alone. I'm right there with you and we can call on some grandma energy. We can try not to get hit with the second arrow. We can feed ourselves to feed the world. We can show up as a fucking fiesta of ourselves. <laughs> That's probably my favorite one. We can reparent our beautiful, innocent, divine, you know, spark within. Show ourselves self-compassion every step of the way in order to get out of ruminating thoughts. We can find the pleasure and glamour in chopping wood and carrying water and just knowing that it is okay to simply be to simply let the soft animal of your body love what it loves we can prioritize pleasure and the rest will still get done we can ask for help and know that we are still worthy human beings we're not failing the fact that we can't do it alone does not mean that we are failing at life. It just means that we are human and humans need each other. We do. We need each other for survival. It's science. So embrace the nuance and keep on keeping on. I would love to know if one of these lessons really landed for you or have been helpful, supportive. Please let me know. You can send me an email at kristen at sexloverevolution.com. If you liked this podcast episode, please go ahead and leave me a rating or a review, five stars. If not, that's okay. I always wish you well. Now I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. Until then, stay wild, take care. I hope that you are taking it easy in the beginning of 2023, honoring what's true and real for you, and maybe just putting a hand on your heart, asking yourself what's next, and taking one small step in that direction. It doesn't have to be big or grandiose. Screw resolutions, just explore what's the next step and from there what's next and from there what's next and from there what's next and one small step at a time you will get there lots of love and i'll see you later